0: You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast, Season 2, Episode 32, Cubs Meltdown in Miami. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on all the socials, Fly the W 670, on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Of course, you can email us, flythew670gmail.com. Segment one, Crowley, the Cubs, Marlins recap, and unfortunately... No flying the W down in Miami.
2: You know, I, I, I said it when we recorded last week. I hate when they play down there. I just always have a bad feeling about it. It just, I don't know why. And, and there is no, I, I have, I looked at the numbers and it's not like they are horrible Netball ballpark. I don't know why I just hate it. I just do. And I didn't like it going into it. And I like it even less after this weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you couldn't like it coming out. There's no doubt about that.
2: Yeah, game one saw Marcus Stroman versus Jesus Lusardo, and we talked about this. We knew it was going to be a good pitching matchup, and it was. Uh, the Cubs lost this one three to two. Some key takeaways from this one: good pitchers duel like we expected. Stroman went six point one innings. He gave up six hits, two runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. Lusardo went the exact same distance, six point one innings. He gave up five hits, two earned runs, two walks, but had six strikeouts. So that's the big difference between Lusardo that's it, right? and, and it's Stroh the case, right? It's the case. Six K's versus three. Every time the Cubs gave Stro the lead, a walk led to a, the equalizing run. So Nelson Velasquez back. We'll talk about that more a little bit later, but he homers in the third, uh, uh, you know, and that's all good. But then at the bottom of the third Stro walks, the first guy he faces his Sanchez. And this was just the formula for the Marlins all weekend. Get on base with a hit or a walk. And then Sanchez steals second, so they would steal, and then they would they would kind of reach on a – then they would score on a single, which is exactly what happened here. So Stroh walks as who Sanchez. He steals second, reaches third uh, on a single by Nick Fortes and ties it up on a John Purdy double play. Top of the seventh, Cody Bellinger triples with one out, scores on a single by Eric Hosmer for a 2-1 Cubs lead. Then again in the bottom, instead of a leadoff walk, it was a one-out walk to Luis Orens. Who reached third on an Avi sale Garcia single and scores on a Jean Segura single to tie the game. So, you know, the walks came to hurt Stroh and they didn't, when it comes to Lusardo, because the strikeout was able to help him out, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, listen, it's not just the Cubs. It's anybody walks will absolutely kill you. Untimely walks will kill you. And you have low scoring games, like all of these, basically the, the, the majority of these games were low scoring you can't give free passes, and, and the Cubs are going to pay for this the entire
2: weekend. Yep, and the other thing I wanted to kind of really point out here is bullpens. When you talk about the Cubs bullpen versus the Marlins bullpen, you know we talked to Alex Kritchik of the uh, Fish Stripes podcast, and he talked so highly of the bullpen they had of Dylan Floro and AJ Puck. So when you got a setup man like Dylan Floro in the eighth, and you got AJ Puck in the ninth, you know you feel comfortable if you're in these close games. And A.J. Puck has been awesome as Miami's closer. He's been in 10 games, 11 innings pitch. He has three wins. He's four and four save opportunities, so that's five of five after today. He's given up one earned run, one home run, .82 ERA, 12 Ks, and two walks. The Cubs, they don't have an established closer. Fulmer, Hughes, and Assad have all blown saves. This time on Friday night, game one, Michael Rucker was given the ball in the ninth. And you know what? He's had a he been really good up to this point. But some guys are not cut up for that role. And you could see the adrenaline threw him off. He, You know, he comes in. He gives up a single to Solaire. He hits two batters in a row, Luis Arias and Avisil Garcia. And then he gave up a single to Gene Segura, walks it off. And so the two key points, Dustin, that you look at this weekend, number one are walks, number two, bullpen, Number three, runners in scoring position. And this is going to be the constant theme on all three games we talk about. This day, the first game, Friday night, the Cubs went one for seven with runners in scoring position, seven left on base. Seiya Suzuki, in particular, had an awful game. 0 for 4, 1K, four left on base, and he grounded into two double plays.
0: Yeah, disappointing. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you know, this is only game one that we're talking about. We're about to talk to two more. I mean, I guess if there's a positive, I guess, to take from this game is that they tried something different at the back end. I mean, were you you okay that they tried something different in the ninth inning?
2: I, I didn't think I, I didn't think that uh, Rucker has closer stuff. No, I. I Who would,
0: like- would you would you would you have liked to have seen? But I mean, I guess my point is, Crowley, are you glad they tried something different? I mean, maybe maybe it's Estrada, your guy, right? Maybe some, but it's something different, right? Right? It it, it wasn't <laughs> it was not it, it wasn't the broken record. I mean, Fulmer doesn't have it, like we all know that. So they had to do something different. This time they tried Rucker. Now they know Rucker doesn't have it, right? So it's I, the.
2: In general, I, I've talked about it before. I'd like to see Alzolay. Maybe see how he does in that. I know, though, right now he has a lot of value in that multi-inning role. But if you're asking me what I would like to have seen tried, that pro- I think I think Al-Zali has the stuff, and I think that he's not going to be as affected in the ninth inning. But it is what it is, right?
0: All right, let's try. It. Let's. Hey, I could get on board with that. Kral. I could get on board with uh, Alzolay next. Let's talk about uh, runners in scoring position. That's going to be a, a a bad theme for our Cubs the whole weekend.
2: Yeah, it really it really was. So we get to game two, and you have Caleb Killian versus Edward Cabrera, and the Cubs lost this one 7-6. to six. Key takeaways from this game, Caleb was not ready for prime time. Now, uh, I did talk to Alex Cohen. You guys will hear that in segment two, and he kind of explained a little bit his routine really got out of whack. He hadn't pitched in ten days, and it really showed in the first inning. He just wasn't, it, you know. They, they were all over him. This is how it's going to play out: single, strikeout, single, hit by pitch, strikeout, ground rule double, hit by pitch, walk, single, walk, hit by pitch, ground out. And after one inning, the Cubs were down five nothing. He settled down after very the- hard to come
0: back. Very hard to come back from that, Crawley. Very very hard. Very yeah. hard to come down back from 5 in the first in the first inning.
2: Right, and 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 Killian settled down after the first, but that wasn't the start the Cubs were looking for, especially with the amount that they've had to go to the bullpen. And this all kind of starts when you lose a starter like uh, Jamison Tyone. And after the game, uh, David Ross said what we all knew: he's not ready, quote unquote. He's still got learning to do, still needs seasoning. So don't give up. What all. do you make it? Hold
0: on a minute. Let's not let's not just brush that off. You you, you point that you you delivered that quote. For our audience, for a reason, Crowley. You point that out,
2: right? And the read—you don't mean I, I,
0: I'm Mister. I'm Mister. Read between the lines. What do you think that means?
2: Nothing. What, I, he, what I, is I, he
0: I, saying? I, is he saying something about the front office? Is he did, did they push it down his throat? Did he want to go? Did he want to go a different direction? It doesn't seem like to me that the two sides we, we are going to have. Uh, we're going to have Carter Hawkins on Haw on Wednesday this week coming up. It seems like. I'm, maybe I've read into it and I've been known to do that but it doesn't seem like it seem, I I feel like he's not he was not happy with front office telling him to start Caleb Killian that day.
2: I mean that's not I mean the job uh, uh, when when you sit there and you have these things it's not David Ross who calls up individual guys it's always going to be the front office. I don't read too much into it other than he just he's not re- he's not ready to be a major league starter yet. He's got learning to do, and that and that's it. There's there's mechanical issues.
0: But weren't there better options? What happened to us? Where was Assad? Why why couldn't we have had a a a a bullpen day? Why couldn't we have had two innings, two innings, two innings, two innings, and get us get us somewhere? Why I did think, we have to bring up a guy to give up five in the first inning?
2: I think they wanted to see what he could do. No,
0: well, now, we <laughs> now, now we know. Now we not enough. Now we know not enough. Not, not ready. ready and he's already been sent back right he's already been shipped out of yeah. he's on a one way ticket out of Miami didn't get to fly on the nice uh, air rickets back home he, he was shipped out early
2: so i'm i'm sure he's on the air rickets but uh you know, ah. it, it, it's they wouldn't send him all the way back but southwest you know. middle seat You you give him the uh, Frank Schwindel treatment. All right. Um, So as as we sit here, you know, as you know, going down five, nothing, that's not great. The offense had six runs on nine hits, Dustin, but they missed numerous opportunities to add more runs. They struck out a whopping 16 times and left nine men on base, two for 11 with runners in scoring position. Say Suzuki grounded into another devil play, but what we have to talk about are the Cubs hitters with the bases loaded in this game because it was maddening in the top of the third Marlin starter, Edward Cabrera walks the bases loaded. Okay. Walks the bases loaded. No outs. Say Suzuki comes up the bat and he gets a battered uh, timer violation. He gets an automatic strike when the guy can't throw strikes. He gave him a strike. You can't do that. And then worked a full count before swinging at ball four. You, it was just and then Cody Bellinger strikes out on a full count before Trey Mancini grounds out. Bases loaded, no outs, no runs. You can't do that. And then, you know what I mean. It's not like it was the bottom of the order either. And then no, I mean
0: to, it's a recipe. It's a recipe for disaster. That's you know.
2: Then you get into the top of the six. Andrew Nardi replaces Cabrera. Bellinger hits a homer. Then Mancini, Hosmer, and Wisdom all singled to load the bases with no outs. N- David Ross calls on Nick Magical to pinch hit for Tucker Barnhart. Miami I don't manager...
0: disagree. I, I don't disagree with that, by the way. Okay. I'm okay with that.
2: Miami counters calling Huascar Brazon out of the pen. And so, that, so he's going to go that way. He's going to go with the righty. And then Ross calls on Edwin Rios to pinch hit. A lefty, that's three hitters burned by Ross. Rio strikes out, so you got one out, right? Bases loaded. Nico Horner hits a sack fly, and Eric Hosmer gets caught in between second and third to get doubled up to end the inning. So you had the bases loaded, one out, and you only got one run in that situation. So just to recap for the audience right here, you had bases loaded, no outs, and you got zero runs. You got bases loaded, one out, and you got one run. So now we get to the top of the eighth. Bellinger and Mancini walk. Nelson Velasquez grounds into a force out. Runners at the corners, one out. Wisdom walks. You got bases loaded, one out. Jan Gomes hits a uh, chopper. Gene Segura throws it to second. Wisdom, um, Wisdom, and he's safe. A run scores. Bases still loaded. Cubs make it nine to five, but then Nico grounds out. A run scores. Cubs are down seven six. And then with two outs, runners at second and third. Swanson pops out and the inning ends. So you really don't
0: don't now stop. Stop right there. Do not let this go because this Crowley, Crowley, this is my biggest takeaway from the entire weekend. That game was on Fox. It's a nationally televised game. I'm shocked that it was (laughs) was a nationally televised game. AJ Prozinski's on the call. The Cubs are down five nothing. They do a great job. They didn't quit. They could have easily quit. They did not quit. They battle back. You know, Dansby Swanson can't just be here for leadership and defense. That was a moment where you needed Dansby Swanson to show up. That's why you pay hundreds of millions of dollars for people. Okay, you could have, you could have anybody do what Dansby Swanson did in that situation. That wasn't even warning track. That was just a, you know, Hawk Harrelson, right? Can of corn. There was nothing to that. There was nothing to that. And that was very disappointing. Like, I need more. I need more from a supposed leader of this team than to do that on national television. You can just say, oh, it's just one at bat. Everything's just one at bat. That, that was, Am I? am I, go ahead. Am I overreacting? But I to mean, me, that was a real letdown that he did not produce in that situation.
2: You mentioned a couple of things, and the one thing I do want to address is I will give this team and David Ross credit for not giving up. Then again, that doesn't get you any more points or any more, you know, anything in the win column there. And so I think there was a lot of guys. I think this was a whole weekend of guys not delivering. And yes, Dansby Swanson's the the highest paid one, and he's he's in a cold slump right now. And so I, I had to get that, but to me, there were so many frustrating at bats. I mean, say Suzuki—you're talking about one of your highest-paid players getting an automatic strike called on him. You look at that. You know, you got guys all over the place that had opportunities, and nobody, nobody could get the big hit. And and Dansby Swanson is the guy getting paid the most, so it looks worse. But again, with two outs, you know, you had other opportunities to score more runs, and you didn't do it. And it, it happened nonstop this weekend.
0: Yeah, nonstop. You're you're right. It wasn't just, it wasn't just Dansby Swanson, but boy, Sunday just, or Saturday, I'm sorry, Carly, Saturday just chapped my ass when he was in that situation, big time moment, and he just did not, just did not deliver.
2: Yep. And now we kind of go in with a little bit of a rerun here because in game three, Justin Steele versus Brian Hoeing, we're thinking to ourselves, this is the matchup. At least it won't get swept. Wrong. Cubs lose three to two. Some things that I had written down about this game. Steele with another great game. Six innings pitched, seven hits, three runs. Only two of them earned. One walk, three Ks. Um, He had trouble in the third inning. He gave up a leadoff double. Garrett Hampton doubled. uh, John Birdie singled. Runners at the corners. Then a weird play. Steele strikes out Garrett Cooper, but a pass ball on Jan Gomes allows Hampton to score. Birdie makes it with his speed all the way to third. And then Luis Arias singles to give the Marlins a two-to-one lead. Solaire was hit by, the pitch, by a pitch to load the bases with one out, but Gene Segura grounded into a double play to end the inning. He would allow one other run to score in the fourth, but that was it. So two earned runs once again by uh, Justin Steele. Another great start. Here's something that Jordan Bastian tweeted out. Longest consecutive start streaks with no more than two overrun runs allowed in Cubs modern history. I know you love the early uh, ones here. 15 starts with two or less runs allowed by Jack Taylor in 1902. 14, Jake Arrieta, that great run from 2015-2016 that we all remember. And now Justin Steele with an active streak of 13 2022 to 2023. I don't know anything about Jack Taylor. I'm not going to pretend to, but when you tell me that you're at some pitching staff equal to Jake Arrieta between 2015 and 2016, that's pretty darn impressive.
0: Pretty darn. Crowley, you said it great there. Pretty darn impressive. No doubt about it. Pretty, pretty darn impressive.
2: Now three positives for Cubs hitters in this, in, in this game here. and, And even within this whole weekend, Cody Bellinger hit a home run in the eighth. Another belly bomb. Belly bomb. And this is what Megan Montemurro puts up there. Cody Bellinger's 1.3 F4 leads Cubs hitters and is tied with Paul Goldschmidt and Marcus Simeon for 12th best among MLB hitters. And, and Bellinger's F4 in the last three years with uh, the Dodgers was 1.8, negative 1.14. So he is just doing phenomenal. He's also slugged four home runs off left-handed pitchers in 38 plate appearances this season. In the previous three seasons, he had six homers off left-handed pitchers in 339 plate appearances. I mean, that's just shocking. That's a shocking stat right there. So I don't shocking. know. Shocking, <laughs> Crowley.
0: That, that yeah, you're right. I mean, that is a that is an absolutely shocking stat. You you uh, you put it well.
2: You know, it, it's just, I mean, he literally almost has about the same amount of home runs that he's had in, against left-handers in one month compared to three years. So this, you're starting to wonder if, if the Bellinger comeback is real.
0: Can then, we sign him now, Crowley? Can we sign him now?
2: We're not signing him, but uh, <laughs> I will tell you this. Until, we'll tell it's you too this. early? It's too early? Too early, and there's a guy named PCA that is, is sitting down there. Um, ready. He's getting fired up here.
0: Well, but, Bellinger's uh, not taking a one-year deal. I, I think that this is the this is the lone one-year deal that uh, Bellinger was taking. Yep. I don't think he's, he's taking be making another
2: a one. Big money, and he's going to be somewhere uh, for a few years if this keeps up. The last one is Patrick uh, Wisdom, who hit a home run, and he joins Alfonso Soriano uh, in 2011, right there as the only Cub batters in the modern era since 1901 to launch 10 homers in March slash April. So great to see Patrick Wilson doing good things. But, you know, back to why the Cubs lost, the story of this entire series, the bullpen. Left on
0: base, Men's left, men left on base, Crowley. The yep, bullpen right. and men left on brace. I mean, that yep. that's it. It's
2: very easy. Runner it's not a science project. Invitation. Yep. <laughs> this mm-hmm. time it was Keegan Thompson, he lead off walk. You remember when I said this last episode? One of the that, that these lead off, that these walks by Keegan Thompson were going to come back and bite him in the ass. I literally said it in the last episode. He walks John Birdie. I mean, you can't walk. You hate walking anybody, but a guy that can easily when you walk John Birdie, that you've automatically given up a double because because that's going to be two bases. He's going to he's going to steal a base, and that's what he did. And or, no, he did not steal a base this time. But Jesus Sanchez singled. And that put runners at the corners. And Luis Arias hit a sack fly. That gave the Marlins a 4-3 to three lead. The Cubs get shut down by Puck in the ninth. One for seven with runners in scoring position. They left eight men on base. There were two games in this series, Dustin, that the Cubs lost because of giving up runs in the eighth or ninth. And they left 24 men on base over the weekend. And when That's talk- not good,
0: right? That, that's That's yeah. not good.
2: Not good at all. When you talk about
0: the weekend, <laughs> That's when not good.
2: Yeah. When you talk about the weekend, we said left on base, and we talked about the bullpen. It shows up the Marlins are 10-0 and in one-run games, and the Cubs are 2-5. and five. All three games were decided by one run.
0: Can we talk about pitching to the best batter in baseball with the game on the line? Any problem with that?
2: You know, it's it's you ended up you're you were in a bad situation. No well, matter why what.
0: not load 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 the bases? He's the best hitter in baseball. Load the bases. No.
2: Hundred percent get it, and I I, I wouldn't have had. A I mean, hindsight's
0: twenty twenty. I'm just telling you, as right. I was following along watching the game, as I was following along watching the game, I was with Pat and Ron at that point. I want to get your opinion on the TV broadcast. I heard I saw a couple tweets from you. You weren't happy about the TV broadcast today. Not at um, I was all. Fo- but I'm like, I was yelling. I was sitting. I was sitting in the back of a dance competition, at an old folks' home in North Lake, Illinois. And scream, like screaming, walk him. And people are looking at me like, what is this guy talking? I'm like, walk him, walk him. And they're like, what is he talking about? Nobody. I'm looking at like, I'm a, I am ai belong in the old folks home. Walk him. I got my earpiece in. I got my phone going. I'm listening to the app. I got 670 to score going on my app and I'm screaming, walk him. And no, they don't walk him. And he basically hit a ball to the wall, right? Yeah. And... And drove in and drove in the run load the Both bases advanced, take yeah. I, mean, I would not i would not if, if if in hindsight i would have been oh why didn't you walk him i mean maybe there's a stat maybe maybe the pitcher has a thing and he's you know good again stop Either, it he's the, the best hitter in baseball right now walk him
2: the second that you allowed that walk that first walk the leadoff walk and you had runners at first and third then you were in really big trouble, and you would have had the bases loaded. And, you know, maybe if you wanted to, I guess I could see where you're coming from and then play the runners in and try to get birdie at home, which the trouble with that is you walk the fastest guy on the team. So it is going to be near impossible to gun this guy down at home. And so you are just in a bad, bad situation. Nothing you could really do there. So Lair would have been up next. He was 0 for 3. And he left two men on base. he had Gene Segura 0 for 4. So yeah, it definitely could have been a move. I, I just kind of, I'm not, I'm gonna be honestly, Dustin. The second he walked that first batter, the second that he walked Birdie, I almost just punched out. I'm like, this is it, it's over. How, you know, just how stupid can you be to walk this guy? Like I said, automatic. This guy's just absolutely one of the fastest guys, and. You screwed this up again, and that's where I was. So, yeah, And hindsight, looks like it could have been a good move to try to walk him and try to do something. But even then, yeah, let someone else beat you. I agree with you on that.
0: You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 32, Cubs meltdown in Miami. Unfortunately, guys, the Cubs have been swept, and they are now moving on to the Nationals. They're on a plane. Maybe they've already touched down in our nation's capital. and In this segment, Crowley continues our Down on the Farm segment as he interviews the play-by-play voice of the Iowa Cubs, Alex Cohen, where there's a lot going
2: on in Des Moines. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have Alex Cohen, voice of the Iowa Cubs. Alex, they say in Des Moines, the S's are silent, but the city is buzzing but what isn't silent are those i bats. What the heck is going on with the hitters on this team?
1: I, I don't know. Must be something in the water. Um, yeah, you, you look at this offensive team. They're averaging over eight runs per game for the entire season. Not just a week, not just a ten-game stretch for the entire season. At this point, uh, they're leading all of minor league baseball in runs, runs per game, OPS. Uh, and then you look at this team from top to bottom; they, they don't have a weakness in their lineup. They won an eighteen to sixteen game on Thursday, uh, then they lost seven to one on Friday, came back and won eighteen to two on Saturday. So this is an offense that that can't stay silent for long. And you know they really haven't. They've scored double-digit runs ten plus games this season. Um, it's the best triple a offense I've ever seen.
2: Now, you know, a good friend of ours, John Maley is the hitting coach this year in Iowa. He brings the hard hat. And what have you seen with John Maley? I mean, I've gotten a chance to talk hitting with John Maley and it's, it's literally just blows your mind. That guy's on a different plane. What effect do you think he's having on these young I Cubs?
1: Yeah, I think he knows more in like one finger in his left hand than he does in, in, than I do in my entire brain when it comes to hitting and, and stuff situationally. But um, I, I think he just provides a completely different perspective because not only was he you know, up in the big leagues, you know, he was with the Cubs when they won the World Series in 2016. So he can basically say, hey, you, you guys want to be world champions? Do this. Uh, he doesn't do that. I mean, he's the first person in the locker room. He's the last person to leave. He's tireless. He tries to build personal relationships with every single player. And they're all different. I mean, he has a different relationship with Brendan Davis than he does with Matt Mervis, than he does with Sergio Alcantara, than he does with Jonathan Perlaz. And I think being a really good hitting coach is one being able to manage hitters, but also being able to manage different personalities. Um, and he does that better than really anybody I've seen, you know, as a at, at the Triple A level or really in minor league baseball. In my 12 years there, so you could tell why he uh, he won a World Series ring with the Chicago Cubs and why he was in a position of that magnitude because he, he just gets so much respect from the players um, and he has a different relationship with all of them
2: now I already have fans that are going to be mad that it's taken me this long to ask you this but the two guys that Cub fans and Cub social media have been clamoring clamoring about yeah,
1: I've, I've seen it I've, I've seen a lot of it.
2: <laughs> Chris morell and Matt Mervis now hey last time you and I talked is about a month ago and you know we said you know, you were talking to Chris and saying, hey, you know, it's okay. Just, you know, do what they ask you to do and you'll be up in no time. Yeah. Well, Morell is forcing this hand here. He's got a 363 average, 463 on base, 835 slugging. He's got 28 home, home runs, 11, or I'm sorry, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs, 8 doubles, I believe I saw him hit one over like a scoreboard the other day. Yeah. What, what are you seeing in Morrell? And has that strikeout rate gone down a little bit from what you can tell?
1: Yeah, it has. I mean, I think his big league strikeout rate was around 32%. Now it's 25%. Um, and I was looking at it last night. I mean, you look at some of the best players in baseball. Guess what? They strike out. You know, Mike Trout's strikeout rate is MVP year 26%. Aaron Judge's strikeout rate is MVP year 25%. Christopher Morrell's strikeout rate right now. So I'm not saying that he's going to be an MVP, but I'm saying, you know, a strikeout rate isn't necessarily indicative of failure or success. Uh, It it really matters for Morrell hitting at the top of the order. He strikes out 26% of the time what's he doing the other 74% of the at-bats? And the answer is his walk rate has skyrocketed exponentially. He's hitting everything hard. He's taking advantage of fastballs. He's taking advantage of, you know, elevated breaking balls up in the zone. He's working a lot of pitches. So even when he is striking out, you know, it's not the one strike, two strike, three strike, there's the K. It's a six pitch, seven pitch at-bat. And at the leadoff spot, that's a little bit more productive than a one pitch pop-out. So, I think he's just doing a tremendous job. Uh, people have talked about the change in the stance, dropping the hands, and you definitely do see that. But I also see a different two-strike approach. I see him widening up the stance. I see him choking up on the bat. And even if he does strike out, he's definitely wasting a lot more pitches and seeing what the pitcher's arsenal has. So the second trip around the order, third trip around the order, sitting 410-foot bombs to dead center field. He's hitting everything hard. You know, Everything that comes off his bat, you think that ball's going to get out or that ball's going to get to the gap um he had seven runs batted in yesterday he went three for four hit by a pitch triple away from the cycle and he was actually thrown out trying to extend a double into a triple so um he's so exciting and I think it's actually finally starting to click. And, you know, there's things for him to improve on, too. And I think last year you saw um, there was a little bit hole in his swing, and he's definitely improved on that. And, you know, just remember, he's 23 years old. He's the second youngest player on this Iowa Cubs team, and he's taking AAA by storm right now. It's so much fun to watch.
2: Right. It's hard to preach patience when that guy's doing everything, but I, 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 I sort of got, I, I think this was the best for his development. I'm so glad he's with Melee and getting to kind of just work on things at this level, than having to face Corbin Burns or <laughs> yeah. some other pitchers and trying to figure this out. I think it's good for his development. Now the other guy that I mentioned, Matt Mervis, uh, 274, 388, 548. He's got six home runs with 24 RBIs. Now, with Eric Hosmer not really doing much, I mean, to me, that's the guy right now that if you brought him up to Chicago, he would not be missing out. He wouldn't be losing at bats. He wouldn't have to be on the bench. He wouldn't have to do a lot of juggling. You know what I mean?
1: I do. I mean, I think it's a little bit more complicated than just, you know, Hosmer's not doing well, send him down, because you can't. Yeah, you, you can't option him. He doesn't have any options left. He's been in the big leagues for 11 years. I mean, he's made all-star teams. He's won World Series. So if you make that decision, it, it comes with certain repercussions. He's not going to AAA Iowa. He's going to another big league team and you're missing on that clubhouse presence. I mean, there's some other roster flexibility stuff that they can do. They just got a 40-man spot open because Luis Torrens was designated for assignment. So I think the Cubs can be a little bit of creative if they want to bring Matt Mervis up. But again, you know, Hasbro had a home run two days ago. We had an RBI single yesterday. You have Trey Mancini starting to heat up a little bit. And, you know, this is a clubhouse that right now is above 500. They're playing pretty good baseball. And Um, You you don't want to mess with that continuity and that juju And, And bringing a guy like Matt Mervis up And Mervis is a great kid uh, has a lot of good relationships with the players, works hard. I mean, he's everything that you would want as a baseball player. But bringing him up with all the hype, like it will do something to the clubhouse. May it spur them? Great. May it hurt things? It might. Uh, will it you know cause a, a sense of urgency and the guys play better? It definitely could. So there's a variety of different outcomes that will happen when you bring Matt Mervis up to the roster because it's so anticipated. But does he deserve to be a big leaguer right now? certainly does. I mean, the OPS has been around 900 to 1,000 all season long. He's drawing as many walks as he has strikeouts, hitting everything hard, hit a home run earlier this series, had an RBI double yesterday, and it's just a continuation from 2022, which is what the Cubs wanted. They wanted to make sure that 2022 was not a fluke or an outlier, and I think Matt Mervis is proving that it's not.
2: Yeah, I mean, and the good thing, like I said, is that whether you have the Bally Sports app or whether you're watching on MLB's app or whether you guys are on marquee, We get to see these guys. And when you get to see how they're looking, it's just so hard for Cub fans to kind of just be patient because it's like, oh my God, look at these guys. Look what they're doing.
1: Good things come for those who wait. And I I know that you want to see Christopher Morrell and you want to see Matt Mervis up, but remember, it's April it's April and this Cubs team is over 500 and they have a top five offense in all of baseball. And, you know, they have possibly four all-stars as position players. Like, let's just, I know it's easy for me to say like, let's just slow the roll a little bit, Uh, but slow down a roll for like a day. Um, and every time the Cubs lose a game, it's not like they're going to be you know zero and one sixty-two. And if they win a game, it's not like they're winning the World Series. I mean, you if you're a playoff team, you lose you know eighty eighty-one times per year. I mean, that's expected. So um, I think this is a Cubs team that has surpassed expectations. They played really good baseball, but there's a room for them to improve, of course.
2: Now the Iowa Cubs are fifteen and eight in the International League West, trailing only the Memphis Redbirds. God, do I hate any birds that yeah. are red? <laughs> no, but. But, you know, when we talk about how great the hitting has been, it seems like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, maybe some struggles with the pitching staff right yep. now. Now, I know Caleb Killian was on, you know, with you guys uh, all month, and then he just made his major league debut yesterday. Didn't go great. 3.1 innings, 10 hits, 7 runs, 2 walks, and 4 Ks. I know you, you're so busy doing your own, calling your own games but were you surprised at that or was it something that you kind of felt like a little bit nervous as he kind of was making that start?
1: I was a little bit surprised. I saw from his last start, he really attacked the zone. Uh, He threw 66% strikes, 66% first pitch strikes. He didn't walk anybody. So um, I think it's kind of been a start by start thing with Caleb and was trending upward. Um, I, I think that he was out of his routine a little bit. Remember he didn't start for, for 10 days. So you know, basically throwing live bullpens and extended bullpens and then going down to Florida and pitching for, you know, a Cubs team against a Marlins team, first competitive game in almost two weeks. You know, it's a it's a tough task. Um, and I think Caleb actually weathered the storm pretty well after the first inning. You know, you don't obviously say it's a quality outing when somebody gives you three and a third. But after a first inning, when you throw almost 40 pitches, to get three and a third from them, kind of a blessing it kind of saves the bullpen a little bit so I think Caleb has great stuff um, he's definitely trying to figure out some things mechanically and uh, he even said it during the the post-game press conference he there's a lot of things running through his head so just you know simplify things and, and get on the mound and have that tunnel where you're blocking out everything and just throwing and remember he's still a young pitcher he's 25 years old and there are so many big league pitchers who on the first four ten starts in the big leagues Struggled, you know, got sent down, got optioned. I mean, Noah Syndergaard had happened to Jack Flaherty had happened to. So it happens. Yeah, you know, the big leagues are a completely different animal. But are there things for him to work on? I-, I think so. And I think from a mechanical standpoint and just being able to settle down mentally, those are things that, you know, if he stays up in the big leagues, he'll have to work on. If he comes back down here, he'll certainly work on.
2: Now, some exciting news yesterday, a, a, guy, a young man that's been on this podcast, someone we've been watching ever since that David Robertson trade, Ben Brown promoted to AAA. So that's got to be exciting for you to watch that young man pitch. But um, who else would, would you say has been doing pretty well as far as starters are concerned? Uh, who could possibly then be the next guy up? Because with uh, Tyone out, and we don't know how long, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be dipping down into AAA a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I, I, one guy that, that definitely sticks out to me is a, a top-30 prospect, Riley Thompson, who was really highly touted coming out of Louisville uh, 2018, didn't pitch in 2020, didn't pitch in 2021 due to a shoulder injury, was limited to innings um, in his in last year when he was with the Tennessee Smokies. But but this year with the i Cubs, man, he just throws four pitches, five pitches for strikes. He is a bulldog. I mean, he is the guy on the mound. He looks at the hitter and says, you know what, I'm going to throw you this pitch. You hit it, you can rename it. It's like the Rick Wild thing. Vaughn mentality for major league. I mean, he is a bulldog and the stuff's good. I and mean, we topped out at 97 in his last outing, his last star, five scoreless, hitless innings against Buffalo. Then he came in in the game that Kyle Hendricks rehab for us and he threw two scoreless innings. So he's like 11 strikeouts in his last seven innings and he hasn't given up a hit and a run. Um, he's a guy that if he is healthy and if the shoulder is good, he is a big leaguer. He's really good. So um, just hoping that Riley Thompson stays healthy, but he's the guy that sticks out to me that. You know, that guy's a big leaguer. He's going to help the big league club this year.
2: Well, you, you mentioned Kyle Hendricks. And, you know, the one thing I talk to people is this, this is going to be a process. Uh, this is what you put, you know, final line for Kyle Hendricks. 1.2, six hits, five and runs, three Ks, one walk. Good news. Fastball tapped out to 89.3. He looks healthy. And that's what you said. You know, first, first outing in 10 months, going to be a process. What's it like having a guy like Kyle Hendricks in Iowa? And what effect do you think that has on the rest of the starters to be able maybe kind of to talk to him and have him around? He's the best.
1: He's the best. He is so personable. Um, He is so energetic. He is so positive. And, He just provides the veteran presence. I mean, even after his start, he was like, Man, I was just so excited to get out there on the mound. Remember, it was a pretty serious shoulder injury. I mean, this is something that you're you're your mid-30s. It's there's a calculated risk if you're going to recover from that. And not only did he recover from that, but he's gotten a little bit stronger. The fastball velocity was about a mile and a half faster than it was all of last year in his first competitive outing in 10 months. So I think that's only going to get better. Uh, just seeing him out there on the mound, throwing the changeup, striking out three hitters, getting out of it healthy and feeling better. Uh, I did not care about the results. I cared about the stuff. And he looked better than his stuff indicated. And um, I think you'll see in the next couple of rehab outings that the the stats will get better. Um, his control will get better. And, and just being able to rear back and hit 90 to 91 and get the feel of that, ch- that patented changeup. He is, uh, he's a welcome presence in the locker room. His energy is welcome. His experience is welcome. Anytime that you have a world series champion in your, in your starting rotation and here with the I cups and you're on the cusp of reaching the big leagues, you're definitely going to pick the brain of somebody like that. And he's been more than welcome to anybody who will talk to him media broadcasters, like myself, uh, pitchers, coaches, he's a tremendous presence.
2: Now I am sure there's going to be some move today with all the arms used yesterday. Um, who do you, is there anyone that you see in the bullpen that could be of use? I mean, it looks right now, and this is, you know, obviously, you know, again, April, but mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to take a look at what is probably the biggest weakness on the current big league roster, it, it doesn't feel like the bullpen's really settled in and re- really use someone with some swing and miss stuff. Who, is there anyone in the bullpen right now? I know Bailey Horn just got promoted up along yeah. with. Yeah, uh, great. Ben Brown, but but is there anyone that you could see in the near-term future potentially getting a look from the Cubs?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I have two guys that really stick out to me. Um, obviously, with Brandon Hughes on the injured list, they don't have a lefty in the bullpen right now, and the best lefty for the I-Cubs in the bullpen is Anthony know, a yeah, former first-round draft pick. He's a guy who's had big league experience as a starter as in a re- and a, as a reliever. Wipeout slider against lefties. It is disgusting, and he's a guy who throws 95 to 96. He can throw multiple innings. He's a bulldog on the mound. And again, I mean, situationally against lefties, he's pretty good. So he he was the guy who sticks out to me in terms of a lefty to replace Brandon Hughes. Um, and then Nick Birdie, you know, somebody who hadn't thrown a competitive pitch in three years before coming into this season with some injuries. His first pitch of the season, 99.3 miles per hour. His last outing, he topped out at 101. So he's just getting stronger and stronger. And you know, he's a fastball slider pitcher. So just getting the feel of the slider, you know, for the first time pitching in three years. But in terms of pure stuff back into the bullpen stuff he's the guy that's sixed out to me so it's so it's nick birdie and, and anthony Carey, the two guys that i think could help the big league team
2: right now in their bullpen that's like i said that that sounds like some good news to me is there anybody else that you know if you're just looking at a stat sheet that like okay well you know slow start but now they're starting to pick it up a little bit
1: Yeah, uh, Brendan Davis was the guy who stuck out to me. I mean, he's a guy who's hitting 300 over his last 11 games. The strikeout rate is plummeting. I mean, he's striking out, I think, 10% of his at-bats over the last 15 games, so he's making hard contact. He had a huge series in Buffalo. Uh, He had an 0-3 for game yesterday, but he also walked, hit by a pitch, stole a base, scored a run, had a couple nice catches in right field. Uh, Two nights ago, had an RBI single through the right side. And I think it's just getting his timing and he's making contact. He lined out the shortstop yesterday. I think he hit it like 106 miles per hour. So the Babbitt gods have been overly kind to Brennan. And I think that they will even out. And um, he's hitting right now like a 270, 280 hitter over the course of the season. I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen really for the last two weeks. And, and again, the strikeout rate is plummeting. So he's making contact, he's making hard contact and, you know, hopefully the balls will will fall a little bit more soon, but he's the one that if you look at the statute, you see him hitting, you know, 220, 215, you're like, Oh, well, he's our number three prospect. He must be struggling. The numbers are misleading.
2: Yeah. That, that, uh, like I said, I just kind of was, I always, you know, love looking at your Twitter and just so everybody knows you got a new Twitter handle. I always let everybody
1: know. Two. <laughs> Voice of Cohen. too. Voice of Cohen has been hacked. Um, tried to get it back. Elon Musk. Uh, yeah, told me personally. Obviously, can't let that happen. No. Uh, uh, But yeah, Voice of Cohen. Two. I didn't want to get too far in the in the fray of different names. But yeah, follow for Iowa Cubs action. There has been a lot to talk about, and you know this is the best offense in minor league baseball right now. You know, for an entire month, as I said, averaging eight runs per game. You don't know what you're going to see when you come to the ballpark with them, and that that's what makes it so much fun.
2: Well, today is going to be fun because it, you guys are going to be wearing your Copa Demonios jerseys, which right. I love. Yeah. they look they look sharp, and I think that that's going to be a lot of fun. And every Sunday, kids run the bases, which is awesome. You know, you have your Tuesday Dollar Dogs that are coming down there. You you have your uh, on Wednesday your Windy City Bundle with uh, Jethro Wings Wednesdays. That's right. And, and then you got uh, a fun event coming up on May thirteenth, Saturday, May thirteenth marvel superhero night uh which the kids always love you got black panther and captain marvel going to be here so if anyone is listening and they want to have a fun time at the ballpark and take the kids to see their favorite marvel superheroes that's saturday may May 13th against the toledo mud hens so that ought to be exciting as well
1: yeah no crawley you've been to to principal park more recently than most fans and it seemed like you had a nice time and The weather's only getting warmer. So it's going to be a a great atmosphere at the ballpark. And we got some great promotions coming up in May. You know, in June, we have uh, College Basketball Player of the Year, Caitlin Clark. Yeah, coming down to Principal Park, a Hawkeye. So a lot of people are really excited about that. We have uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas, Henry Rowan Gardner coming late June uh, to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Rookie of the Year. So not only do we have the promotions, we have the team to come down and watch. And anytime that you can get to the ballpark and see Chris Varrell, Matt Mervis, I mean, there's a sense of urgency because, as you said, you don't know how long they're going to be there.
2: And I will tell you again, like I said before, you can watch on the Bally's app, you can watch on the MLB app, and of course. When you guys do make – when's your next marquee uh, game, do you know?
1: Yeah, it's going to be that series in May. I I believe it's May 12th and May 13th. We have back-to-back day games.
2: And my favorite is the first inning. How is Alex going to get the salsa King ad read in? That is one of my favorite things to do. It's my, uh, you know, just Elise Medecker, Lance Brosdowski Yes, like, ah, oh, my favorite man. So, well, you know
1: what? There's a, there's a collection of answers. They could be like, no, I'm like, well, if you don't like salsa, I would urge you to uh, retry this and give it one last chance with the salsa King of Chicago. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a really good salsa. I mean, just based out of you guys, I mean, you obviously have a personal relationship to it, but uh no joke. I mean, it's it's really good. And I think it's a it's a really nice link from Chicago to Iowa, Iowa Cubs, Chicago Cubs, and we have a lot of fun with it.
2: Alex, I appreciate you spending some time with us today and and continue enjoying this fun season of Iowa Cubs baseball. And uh look forward to talking to you in the future, my friend.
1: I appreciate it, Crawley. Thanks for having me on. This is the Fly the W670
0: podcast. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 32. Unfortunately, this is the Cubs meltdown in Miami as the uh, Fish get the best of the Cubs Friday, Saturday, and Sunday down in South Beach. Uh, Cubs did not take their talents, Crowley, down to South Beach. So after the sweep, let's take a look at the standings in the National League Central. Here we go.
2: Yep, not good. As 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 the Pirates are just still on this unbelievable hot streak, twenty and eight. They haven't even lost double digit games, and neither have the Brewers, eighteen and nine. Think about the Brewers, man. They're sitting there and they're trying. They can't catch them. I mean, just Pittsburgh just blew by them, and and now the Cubs are at fourteen and thirteen. They're almost at five hundred. They're three and seven in their last ten. So they did well against the Padres, but they did bad in that series against the Dodgers. And now here's another. There's an absolute stinker in Miami. And then since he is starting to kind of bounce back a little bit, they're on a five game winning streak, they're 12 and 15. And the Cardinals continue to struggle 10 and 18 in the basement, three and seven on a two game losing streak. I'm still, you know, part of me is just like, when are these guys going to wake up and, and you're starting to wonder if, they, if, they, if there's not some serious problems down in that boring old city of St. Louis.
0: All right, we're going to get to the uh, upcoming series with the Nationals in just a second. But the good news, Crowley, we'll talk about some roster moves. And obviously, as you listen to our recap there, Cody Bellinger was reinstated on Friday.
2: Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of juggling this weekend. And that loud cheer you heard on Friday was Luis Torrens being DFA'd. So he is off the team that actually frees up a 40-man roster spot now, what ends up happening then on Saturday, the Cubs recall Caleb Killian and they place Brandon Hughes on the 15-day IL retro to April 27th. He has that left knee inflammation. It was what has threw him off all during spring training and it's what got him that late start in the season and, and now it's flaring back up again. So they're going to have to figure that out, Dustin. Um, so that was the move for Saturday. And then on Sunday, the Cubs called up lefty Ryan Barucki from Iowa. As you heard, um, Alex Cohen, talk about Ryan a little bit in the second segment, but he takes the open 40 man roster spot vacated by, uh, Luis Torrens. For those of you freaking out and wanting, uh, wanting to see either Murrell or, or Mervis up, uh, that, you know, that it's right now. Interesting to see that that you know Barukey will be here, and then they need a lefty, and then Caleb Killian, like you said earlier, option to Triple A, and so I, I like I said, probably not flying with the team to Washington, probably on that Southwest flight uh, going to Iowa. So we'll we'll see what happens.
0: All right, Crowley, So now the team is in the nation's capital. Big four games, right? Big four game set Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, Thursday afternoon. Let's preview it.
2: Yeah, the Cubs took four or six from the Nationals last season. Both series were in August, a week apart. And Dustin, I've talked about this before. I hate that because, you know, the Cubs were a phenomenal team in the second half. So, sucks for the Nationals that they had to face them when they were red hot, as opposed to in April or May. But it is what it is. When we look at the Nationals last year, they were 55 and 107. They do have some key additions from last season. Trevor Williams, a right-handed pitcher. You guys, we are Trevor Williams. You guys remember him from his short time with the Cubs? Another former Cub, third baseman Jaime Candelario, who who was uh, on the in the Cubs system. They got outfield outfielder Corey Dickerson, first baseman Dominic Smith, and the key loss that they had last year was DH Nelson Cruz. So as we kind of look here at the um, NL East. And you take a look at the Washington Nationals, obviously um, from their moves last year, and they traded Juan Soto. We know that was a big one, but they are currently at last place, 9-17. and They're 4-6 and in their last 10 and on a three-game losing streak. And we are hoping, Dustin, that this is exactly what the doctor ordered for the Cubs.
0: We're hoping for a three out of four, Crowley. That's what we're hoping. I mean, I think if you told me that on May 1st, the cubs were going to be one game over 500 i'd have pretty been pretty glad about that and i think you would be too yeah. right i mean this was a on paper really really tough schedule but now this week they don't have a day off this whole week they are playing monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday they got the nationals in dc then the marlins come to town and this is a week where i think in the next 7 days cubs got to win 5 games if they're who we think they are
2: yeah, and so you take a look at the pitching matchups. You have a left-hander, Drew Smiley, 2-1 with the 3.21 going up against left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore's had a pretty good season so far. He's 3-1 and, and his ERA very similar to Drew Smiley's, a little better at 3.0, but when when you when you look at the matchups and you're kind of saying to yourself, "Okay, this game right here to me, is going to be the toughest of the four when you think about like matchups and stuff like that so i'm really hoping that you know drew smiley has done really great recently would love 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 to see the cubs do something here you know the nationals they don't have a lot of guys that have seen smiley kind of small sample sizes uh their second baseman chavez has you know six at bats 333 and you have uh robles victor robles center fielder He's seen him nine times at a 222. The right fielder, though, seems to have a little bit. Lane Thomas has a little bit of luck against him. He's had six at-bats, and he's batting 500. As far as the Cubs versus Gore, nobody's had more than three at-bats. So, you know, small sample sizes on that one, so nothing to really kind of glean from those numbers right there. But like I said, Gore Gore's been a guy that I've been kind of – You know, a little bit. You're you're more impressed with what he's done so far, especially considering how bad of a team this team is. So, Mackenzie Gore in his last three starts, you know, he hasn't given up a lot of runs. Two against the Angels um, on 412, he gave up three runs against Baltimore on 419. He took the loss on that one, and then he only gave up one run against the New York Mets, going six innings uh, on April 26. So on his last start, so. A guy that, that, like I said, this it isn't going to be easy, but, you know, the Cubs, there's no reason that they can't, you know, do well against him.
0: No, I, I am looking for big, big things from the Cubs offense, which has not been very good down in Miami, to say to say the least. That, you know, this, this runners in scoring position stat crawl, has got
2: to be fixed. Yeah, they were doing really good with it, and this last series was awful. And game two is the game where I think that, you know, the Cubs offense. If you want to talk about the offense, there's no reason they can't knock Trevor Williams around a little bit. He's one and one with the 410 ERA. Hayden Wisniewski, no one on the Cubs has, uh, nobody on the Nationals has seen Hayden Wesniski. As far as the Cubs, Tucker Barnhart has 16 at-bats, hits 375 against them. Cody Bellinger, eight at-bats, 375. Ian Happ, 21 at-bats, it's 286. And so Dansby Swanson, 12 at bats, 250, not the greatest there. But I'm. I, this is the game where the offense has to support Hayden, and, and Hayden's got to just kind of take that step forward, that next step that we're just waiting for him to really have it click in. You know what I mean?
0: Next step, Crowley, you, you nail it there. That's exactly what we need to find out. What, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? in this next step. This is a winnable game. This is a lineup you should do good against. And I'm with you a hundred percent.
2: Now game three, Marcus Stroman versus TBD, the legendary TBD. Uh, <laughs> as far as people that have,
0: um, I love it, crawling legendary, legendary, <laughs> legendary TBD.
2: As far as people who have at bats against Stro, uh, Candelario, not bad 11 at bats. He's hitting 273, uh, taking a look here. Uh, once again, Lane Thomas has some pretty good numbers. If you look, uh, nine at bats, he's hitting 5.56, and uh, they have a catcher as far that has um, Ruiz. So if you're looking at Keybert Ruiz, and I, I always think of Cubert, that old video game, he's hitting 4.29. So a couple of guys have seen him and have some decent numbers, but uh, you know the thing with Marcus Stroman that has been tough to watch has been his lack of run support. Like, the guy's just not getting wins, and for whatever reason, sometimes there's always one guy that just really struggles to get run support. I mean, think about this. You know, uh, against Oakland, he didn't get any decision. He gave up zero runs, right, in six innings. Against Seattle, he gave up two runs in six innings. And the last start against the Dodgers was kind of a, a, a rough one, you know, uh, that was the one that was a little bit rough. But, I mean, and Strowman pitched good again against the Marlins. And so when I when I look at that, you know, when you look at what he's done, he, he's 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 always – even that game that, that he really didn't do that great against the Dodgers, the Cubs were still in it, you know, just couldn't score runs. And so with Strowman right here in that start against Miami, 6.1, where are we at again? Two earned runs. So he's just not giving up a lot of runs, but he's not getting run support.
0: No, he hasn't been getting it. But yeah, you know, I listen, he, he's been fantastic. He yep. he really he really has. Last start wasn't great and, and we talked about that in the last episode. All right. You just talked about the famous TBD for the uh nationals in game four. We've got the famous T B D for the Cubs.
2: Yeah, let, let, let's let's <laughs> So who's it going to be, Dustin? Who do you want to see? I mean, we, we said Caleb Assad. I game. wanna see
0: I wanna I wanna see Assad or I wanna see Alzele start. And I want to build it from there. That's what okay. I
2: want. Okay. Okay. So we we got we got those are options. One option that interests me, that intrigues me greatly, Dustin, is a guy that we had on our podcast, Ben Brown. Ben Brown, if you listen to, and we talked about this in segment two with Alex. Ben Brown just got promoted up where he was dominating with Tennessee Smokies. I would love, 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 love to see a Ben Brown start. That would make a very happy Crawley to be able to see because I, lo- I, I he's probably one of my favorite players as, as far as both uh, what he has and just as a human being, just a really, really great guy. Would love to see him get the opportunity to get that start. We'll see what happens. As far as on the national side, Patrick Corbin uh, hasn't been the greatest season for him so far. One and four with a 574 ERA. Uh, looking at his last couple starts, he faced that mighty Pittsburgh team. He lost, but he gave up three runs in 5.1 innings against Minnesota. He gave up three runs in seven innings, or I'm sorry, in six innings. And then against Cleveland, he gave up two runs. So it's not like he's really uh, been doing bad as of late. So, you know, hopefully he can, you know, he'll struggle, but I'm, I'm, you know, he got off to a slow start and he's been kind of warming it up a little bit. So, that, that That's the thing that we're looking at. He had a bad opening day start with six earned runs, but since then, four earned runs, and then and then the last three starts, two earned runs, three earned runs, three earned runs. So he's starting to kind of do a little bit better. So hopefully the Cubs can do something, and we don't know who exactly is pitching for the Cubs. But like I said, if it's Ben Brown, I'm going to be super excited. Bellinger is hits two seventy three against Corbin with uh, at eleven at bats. You take a look at uh, uh, Trey Mancini in 11 at-bats, 364. Swanson has 35 at-bats against him, but only 257 average. So I know he doesn't like days off, but maybe, just saying, you know, who knows.
0: All right, Crowley, before we wrap this baby up and get into the predictions, who's hot, who's not?
2: When we talk about hot for the Cubs, Cody Bellinger, we talked about that a little bit before, 357, 429, 833, five homers and nine RBIs in his last 14 games. Nico Horner, that on-base streak still going, 333, 368, 492, two homers, 14 RBIs. As far as the knot, Dustin, you talked about your disappointment in him, and and Dansby's got to be disappointed in himself right now in the last 14 days, 240, 415, 320. Uh, So you can see the on-base is good, but he's not hitting, and he's not hitting for power. One homer, two RBIs.
0: Yeah, as he's gotta he he's gotta step up. I mean, especially in that situation. Saturday just that Saturday just put me on tilt.
2: <laughs> as far as the Nationals are concerned, hot. Joey Menezes, who does a lot of the DH in 306-32408, one Homer, six RBI. Alex Call, left fielder, 323, 447 452, with one Homer and two RBIs. Not Dominic Smith, first baseman, 216, 326, 324, one Homer, one RBI. And then Victor Robles, center fielder, 214, 353, 321. No homers, two RBIs. All
0: right, Crowley, prediction time four games in the nation's capital against the Nats. What's going to happen?
2: You know how much I hate four game series, and I'll always lean towards. You hate
0: four game series. (laughs) And
2: I'll lean towards the split because that's usually how it plays. That's what I think is going to happen. I think it is going to be a split, unfortunately. I, I, right now, I'm just very nervous with the runners and scoring position situation. And, and some, like, I, like I said, somebody's got to get that big hit. Otherwise, you know, that starts to wear on these guys. They all are to start pressing when you're in that situation.
0: All right, let me be Mr. Positive, Crowley. They're taking three of four. Okay, they're right. taking three of four. And don't be surprised if when we get back here on Thursday or Friday that they have swept.
2: I, I believe if they call Ben Brown up, they will take three of four. If they right. do not call Ben Brown up, they will go two and two.
0: There you go. You heard it. Ben Brown's Crowley's guy. Crawley, have a great rest of your Sunday. What's left of it? Uh, we will be back here to wrap up the uh, National Series and then preview the fish coming back into Chicago this weekend. That's a wrap. Season 2, Episode 32 is in the books. The Cubs meltdown against the Fish from Miami. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on all the socials. You can email us, flythew670gmail.com. And now, you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel.
2: Let's get back on winning, cha- with this winning streak right here. Let's go back to taking some series. Go Cubs! It's all over.